everything. A lot of times when we start thinking about Christmas, we, um, we're thinking about all of the stuff, all of the decorating, all of the presents, and um, we've got to get this done or we've got to get that done or maybe for some... Maybe sometimes people are thinking about what they don't have, what they aren't able to do, what they won't experience, who's not here, um, the things that have changed, stuff that has been good in the last year, stuff that has not been so good in the last year. All the things that are maybe in the moment of happening, there are people that are waiting on answers from doctors right now, and they won't know before Christmas. There are people who are waiting on answers from their job, and they know that it's a challenge, that there may be layoffs, or that there may be something shutting down, or who, who knows what it is. Then there are great things. There are people that are anticipating because there are babies that will be born between now and, and Christmas. And on Christmas Day, there will be Christmas babies. There will be new life break into our existence. There will be families that will this week see a child born and this will be the first Christmas. Sometimes even it's that maybe that first Christmas when... Um, that your child actually understands some of what's going on. I mean, as a parent, I remember that stuff, you know, when, uh, because, uh, you know, when they're a year old, you know, you're buying stuff that you think is cool and, and all of this, and, and they don't really understand why it's Christmas and all that, but, you know, you're all excited. I mean, they're like six months old, and it's Christmas, and you're going, oh, look, it's so, oh, let's open it. Let's have this paper. Oh, this is so what? And, you know, the kids just like, hey, you know, toy, let me chew that, you know. And you go, no, that's electronic. It's an iPad. They're six months old, you know. <laughs> because mommy's going to play with this with you. <laughs> All this stuff. But you know what? The reality is that this little, this little stable that, that was sitting there with Whatever animals inside and Mary and Joseph and Jesus coming. I, I told Michelle this week, I said, I had never, I don't know why it's never really hit me so much, but when I first found this video uh, recently and, and I was, because I saw Mary and I saw that, you know, she wasn't dressed like, you know, the typical wear the old school Mary stuff, you know, and I was like, well, I got to watch this video and see what this is. And then I was like, Literally, it's one of the few times this happens, but, but as a musician, I'm, I'm usually audibly stimulated by stuff more than I am visually. And so I was sitting there, and when she, two things that she said when she talked about, she said, I was realizing I'm not going to have any of my family there with me. And I don't know why that hit me so hard. I was like, wow. I mean, all the stuff that we think about, we think about them being in the stable, we think about the difficulty and using, you know, cloths that are used to wipe off animals and putting in a, in a manger and all this stuff. And, and it, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a guy. 
you know, I was there when both our, our kids were born. I told y'all before, I saw things that I, you know, were indelibly imprinted on my mind that I, oh, help us, Jesus. <laughs> um, you know, but I wouldn't give anything for, you know, I mean, at that moment, I mean, my goodness, both our kids, when they were born, um, I think I basically would give them to, literally, you can ask her, I would give them to Michelle for her to feed them, and that was it. Um, because I couldn't feed them, if anybody's wondering. You know, it, we weren't bottle feeding. And so, I mean, I just wanted them. Man, I, I mean, I, I had our kids, and I wanted them the whole time we were in the hospital, and and uh, I, I was stingy, I guess. I just, you know, it was so amazing. And even though they're, they're older now and they're bigger, and I'm not going to embarrass Caleb, you know, today. I mean, even though me loving him shouldn't embarrass him, but, but uh, man, you know, it's just that you still you'd do anything. That's why it's such a powerful story when you realize that as we celebrate Christ's coming, we know that he's going to hang on a cross and we know that his father is going to have to turn his back on the sin that he's bearing for the world. And we know that Jesus is going to cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, what Christmas really started was the change of everything. Everything changed. Let's look at a little bit of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And we talked last week, everybody would understand, they were not married yet in the sense of that they had not consummated their marriage. And everybody in here is old enough to know, in other words, they had not had sex. It's just about as straightforward as I can put it. Um, but they were actually married. In, in the Jewish um, custom, that you would be essentially married for one year um, we call, would call it more engagement, but they were technically married, and that's why then you had the situation where that he would have the need to potentially divorce her, or King James Version says to put her away privately. The reality was then the expectation, as we shared last week, was that during this time period, nobody would have a child. Nobody would find out they were pregnant during this because it showed that you were pure and that you had maintained your integrity sexually coming into this marriage. So Joseph, though, was a just man, and he was unwilling to put her to shame. Man, it's powerful because from the very beginning, the story of Jesus before he even gets here is one of forgiveness. It's one of faith. It's one of believing in something that couldn't really be true. How on earth could an angel come and to, if, if, if an angel showed up and said, hey, probably didn't say it that way, but you know, that would, that's not King James. Hey, you know, you're, you're going to have a child. And, and then your, your, your future husband here who you're not supposed to have anything going on, they go, well, okay, that's cool. You know, God, God's done made you pregnant. That's awesome. I'm going to be his daddy. Who's your daddy? (laughs) 
Oh, well, I'm your stepdaddy anyway. <laughs> Joseph was a just man. He wasn't willing to put her to shame. So he resolved, here's what I'm going to do. What I'll do is I'll, I'll end this in a private way. See, before, before God has even spoken to him, before an angel comes to him and says, hey, don't worry, whatever, he is doing the right thing. He's doing the just thing. Verse 20. But as he, being Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Wait, wait a minute. Why, why do not fear? See, because when he took her to be his, his wife and everybody you know, that would know about the situation, now there was some shame that would come upon him. More so even than her, it's you let her do this to you. That's what the normal public perception would be. You are going to take somebody else's child now and raise them? See, God's story is still playing out. God's story is still the adoptive story. That he's going to take us who were not in his family and bring us in, even though our circumstances didn't cause us to deserve to be his but yet he chose us. Remember, the, the word of God actually says, he says, remember that you did not choose me, but I chose you. Wow. Man, that's good. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, don't be afraid. Don't worry about your reputation. Don't worry about what anybody's going to say about you. Don't worry about what it's going to do. I promise it's going to be okay. Because that which is conceived in her it's from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is what the prophet said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What was the condition of the world before? At this point, when Jesus is coming into the world, the spiritual nature of earth was such that you had to do sacrifices on a regular basis because there was nothing that could wash away your sins. That's why if, if you, when we ever sing that song, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That statement, wash away, is powerful and it's so accurate and we kind of don't even pay attention to it a lot of times. Because it doesn't say what can cover my sins. See, that's what the sacrifice did before Jesus. That's why it had to be repeated often. It was kind of like putting armor all on the dash of your car. It wore off after a time period. It wasn't something that changed anything. When Jesus came, it changed everything. It didn't hide things. It didn't sweep stuff under the rug. It didn't temporarily resolve stuff. It changed things. Sacrifices have been required regularly. Sin ruled. The Bible talks about that. It says that, that sin came and the law was there in order to be a school teacher. And that school teacher was to show us our need for Christ. To show us that we needed a Messiah. To show us we needed someone to redeem us. Why? Because the law was so 
strong and sin was so powerful against us and we could not keep it in perfection. And so our hearts would cry out if we lived in that time period saying we need Messiah to come and to take away our sin. They were burdened by the law. And the thing that I think is so powerful is that what they were experiencing in their time was religion, not a relationship. There's too much of that. We've reverted too much. We've gone backwards in Christianity. We've kind of reverted back to encouraging people to have a religion experience than to have a relationship with Christ. A relationship is one in which you talk, you communicate, you interact. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you fall down. In our earthly relationships, sometimes both people fail and fall down. But the difference in the relationship with Christ is that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never fails. He never stumbles. In Him, there's no shadow of turning. There's nothing that's ever any different. And even though we fail and even though we fall, He says, I have loved you with an ever lasting love. I don't love you, God says. I don't love you because of how good you can be. I love you because I love you. I don't love you because that you have great potential. He says, I love you because I can do whatever I need to do in you and through you. Whether you see any potential, whether you see any talent or ability, he says, it doesn't matter to me because I'm the one that created you. I designed you, Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to do you harm, not to see evil done to you, but I know the plans that I have for you. God does not look at us and say, oh, I sent Jesus to die for you guys because I see something in you that's worth saving. About, I don't know, probably, probably eight or nine months ago, I'd, uh, I've been a little lax on blogging. I just want everybody to know, not that anybody reads my blog, but I, I, have, I have been a little lax on blogging during the last probably three months. But about six or eight or nine months ago sometime, I posted, there's a, very, there's a, a song that kind of gained a lot of popularity um, in Christian circles about half a year or so ago. I actually love the melody of the song. Man, I mean, it's, and, and, and I'm sorry if anybody, if this is one of your favorite songs, I'm just trying, you're just going to get set free today. It'll be okay. Uh, there's a song that says, he thought I was worth saving. Bad theology. Bad. I wasn't worth saving. He thought I was worth dying for, so we offered up. He's like, no, he didn't think you were worth dying for. No, he didn't. You weren't worth dying for. I wasn't worth saving. That's what's powerful about the message of Christmas, of Christ coming, is that we weren't worthy. And so that puts us all on the same playing field. Doesn't matter if I can play guitar. Doesn't matter if Bird can sing. Doesn't matter that Haley can sing like all the songbirds on earth. None of these things matter. Why? doesn't matter if you can't do any of those things. Why? Because it wasn't about our worth. We don't bring worth to the relationship. We get worth because of the relationship. We don't have to bring anything but the brokenness of who we are to the very feet of Jesus Christ, recognizing when we think about Him lying there in a manger that He came even though I didn't deserve it. 
And so we're all on the same playing field. Doesn't matter about abilities, doesn't matter about finances, doesn't matter about your raising, doesn't matter about your family situation. None of those things matter. Why? Because he said, I own the cattle of a thousand hills, so I got your finance to take care of if that's, if that's what you're worried about. He says, you're, I'm going to graft you into my family, so it doesn't matter about what your family situation is. He said, well, I don't have any talents and abilities. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. None of those things matter when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. So we need to stop making sure that we're moving people into religion where we're just trying to follow the formula and we're just trying to do certain things and look a certain way and act a certain way and not tell each other that we're struggling with things or that we're wrestling with something because you know what? It doesn't matter what anyone gets their idea about your reputation. What matters most is that Christ, in coming into your life and saving you, has established who you are. So what did Jesus come and change? What changed? John chapter 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Matthew chapter 20 verses 27 and 28. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke chapter 4, verse 43. But he, being Jesus, said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. My purpose was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So before we get into all these other scriptures, so what changed? In John 3, he said, what changed was that God sent his son to save the world. In Matthew chapter 27, he said, God, what changed? God sent his son to serve and to give his life as a ransom. You've been kidnapped. You had been taken hostage by sin, by the things of the world. And he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the ransom. So I'm going to take your place. So that you can be set free. That's what changed. Luke chapter 4, 43. What happened? What changed? No longer were we going to preach the kingdom of Rome and all these other, these other leaders. And, and not just the, 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 the people of Israel. But he said, I've come to preach the kingdom of God. Because I was sent for this purpose. John chapter 18, verse 37. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world. What purpose? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He says, here's why I was born. I was born to come and speak of the truth. Now, the amazing thing is, is Jesus tells us in another passage what the truth is. Because he says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am life. He says, I've come to speak of the truth. I have come to let you see me. I have come to speak of who I am. John 1, 1, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was flesh. The Word was with God, you know, all that stuff. And he came, and he, he says, here I am. Here's the truth. 
He said, this is why I was born. How about that? The reason that we're sitting here celebrating, the reason that Jesus was sent to the earth, he said, was because I came to bear witness to the truth. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. What changed? The devil was given a time period where he had this authority, where he had this rule, and it had not been in. But he says, but I came, and because the children, all of us, they experience flesh and blood, so I'm going to come, and I'm going to partake of the same thing. In fact, I'm going to partake of death itself. Why? Because through my death, I'm going to destroy the one who has the power of death. See, we're not just looking and seeing that little baby laying in that manger. We're looking and seeing a warrior. We're looking and seeing one who says, I came to witness to the truth. I came to destroy the power of death. I came to destroy sin. John 1, 3 and 8. He says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Well, I'm not preaching that today, but anyway. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, he doesn't say anybody that sins. He says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared. Get that. We say Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus would say the reason for the season is that I came to destroy the works of the devil. He says, yeah, you just want to say, well, Jesus is the reason for the season. He says, but, but it's not just that. He says, the reason for the season is when I came and when the heavens opened up and when those angels filled the sky and said, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill toward me. And what kind of goodwill? The, 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 the thing that is going to destroy the works of the devil has come. The one who is going to come and set you free. The one who is going to be a ransom for many. The one who is going to make a way where there seems to be no way. Well, going to make me preach here in a minute. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus speaking. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What changed when Jesus came? He said, the law has now been fulfilled. The law through my life, through my death, through my resurrection, all the things that the prophets have said about the Messiah, I'm going to fulfill them. That's why why when we read that first scripture, he said, and these things were done to fulfill what the prophets said. They were pointing out and saying, we've been waiting all of these years. That we've been waiting for the Messiah to come. And let me remind you what the prophets have said because it's been so long, you may be thinking it was never going to happen. Now, I'm just going to tell you here at Christmas, this is my one freebie gift for you. You know, that, Well, i got some other gifts later, but, but this is my one freebie gift during the message. I just want to tell you, I don't know what you've been waiting on. I don't know what it is in your life that you feel like that God had spoken into your life or that you feel like that God was going to do in your life or a promise in God's Word that you've been trying to stand on and you've been going for a long time and it hadn't seemed like it's come true yet. I'm just telling you, there was a nation of people that had been waiting for many, many hundreds of years, waiting on the Messiah to come. And he says, hey, you may have forgotten what the prophets have said, but let me remind you again so you'll see it coming. 
See, sometimes I think we start forgetting what it is that God has promised in His Word or maybe something that you felt God put into your life and you've just been praying and waiting for God to make it come to pass. But I'm telling you, just hold on. Just hold on. And remind yourself every now and then of what God has said because then when it happens, you'll see it. That was better than what y'all got. I didn't even get an amen out of that deal. It's not as good when you have to ask for it. John 10, 10. I mean, just because it's Christmas, y'all, don't mean we're not going to preach now. Come on. Right? God's still doing stuff just because you're worrying about presents and cookies and all that stuff. God still want to do something. Somebody in your family needs to get saved. Somebody that you're going to be hanging out with at Christmas, they need Jesus. You're telling me everybody that you know knows Jesus? Everybody in your family is right with God? Everybody living right, doing right, acting right? No. Mm, when I think about the Lord. Well, that's, that's just, that one's sticking up on me again, too. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. What changed? What changed was that the one who was here was the one who comes to steal and kill and destroy. But then the one who came that we celebrate during this time of year, now something's changed because now we can have life and have it more abundantly because of Jesus. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My goodness, this is what changed. Everybody up to this point, I mean, remember we talked last week, Hebrews describes, says that all of these died not having received the promise, but instead said they greeted it from afar, but they never saw it. Man, we're living in a, in a time. Yes, we look around in our world and we say, man, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah with all the stuff that's going on and all the sin and all the division and all the hatred and distrust and all of these things. But that doesn't have to be and should not be named among the body of Christ. Because we are to be one in Jesus Christ. Because he said, look, he said, here's what I've given you. I have given you eternal life and you will never perish. And oh, by the way, nobody can snatch you out of my hand. Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor. Because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For everyone. Verse 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made, to share this last week, made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. When I was, a, when I was a kid, I remember uh, we used to do cantatas with, you know, church choir. Okay. okay. See, one's like, I'm, I'm hanging with you, but I, I don't know what you're talking about. What'd you, cantata? You know, it's a spent seat. <laughs> and so you would have like, 
You know, you'd have, man, you'd have like 10 songs in these things, and, and you would have actors and actresses and, and fake animals and stuff, you know, and, and you'd act out different stuff, and all of a sudden you'd be in the middle of a scene, and you'd break out in song in the middle of the scene, you know. It's like a musical. It's a musical. But there was this song that we used to do, and it was called Born to Die. That song always stuck in my mind. Because that's the reality of what happened with Jesus. He was born to die. He was born to pass from this earth. He was born to take on him the sins of all the world. But all these other high priests who had come before Jesus... When they would offer sacrifices, they would, they would go to the altar and, and, if, and if Dennis was coming and he was wanting to, to offer sacrifice for his sins for the last year, you know, because he'd come every year and do this kind of stuff, you know, Dennis would come along and, and so I, if I was the high priest, I'd be going, Dennis, um, you know, what have you brought? And so depending on his financial ability, he might have, you know, some doves, he might have a lamb, that, you know, without spot or blemish, got to be without spot or blemish, you know, some of this other stuff. And so then I would take, I'm the high priest, I would take your sacrifice, so you had to provide the sacrifice, and I would take it and I would offer what you had given. But what changed when Jesus came, what changed was that well, we had a merciful and a faithful high priest, and he offered the sacrifice, and the sacrifice was himself. He didn't come and say, okay, bird, what have you brought? Well, your sacrifice is not good enough. See, because there's some rules on what the sacrifice has to be, and you got to make sure you provide a good enough sacrifice, and you didn't, what you have is not good enough. So I'm not going to offer your sacrifice for you. Instead, Jesus comes along and he says, don't worry about your sacrifice. Don't worry about what you're going to, because what you're going to bring is going to have to happen again next year. It's not all that good looking anyway. You know, that, that lamb, it's okay, but you know, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not as good looking as the lamb that Wendy brought, you know. Yours is without spot, wrangler, blemish, but hers is a little fatter, you know, I'm just saying. You know, not saying anything here. <laughs> but it was your lamb. It was the lamb, the lamb. It was the lamb. <laughs> you know, so you sacrifice. So, you know, that, I mean, the Bible says the fat belongs to the Lord, so that would, that would have been a, a godly sheep. That's all I'm saying. Um, the sheep. Come on, y'all. It's about the sheep. I'm trying to dig out, but you can't get out of a hole by digging. Um, <laughs> you just go deeper. Instead, he looks and he says, no. Take for, you, take for yourself. Take, I, I don't need that because what I'm going to offer on your behalf. Oh, no longer am I going to stand here and go, you give to me. I'm going to stand and say, I will give to you. And not, I'm not going to go out and find a shepherd to get a sheep because I am the great shepherd. And I have all the sheep. But you know what he says? He says a good shepherd does something that's different. Because a good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Man looked at the sheep and said, I'm going to turn you into a sacrifice for me. The great shepherd looked at the sheep and said, I'm going to turn into a sacrifice for you. It's, it's contrary. Everything changed. All of a sudden, the sheep weren't the one to be killed anymore. The shepherd said, I'll lay down myself in order to protect the flock. My goodness. 1 John 3 and 5, last scripture says, You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. 
So what changed? What changed when Jesus came? What changed was this. All of a sudden, he had come to save us. He had come to be a ransom. He had come to preach the kingdom of God. He had come to bear witness of the truth. He had come to destroy the devil and the works of the devil. He had come to fulfill the law and fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets. He had come to give eternal life. He had come to taste death for everyone. He had come to take away our sins. So, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. For he alone is worthy. That's what we sing in these songs. What changed when Jesus came? This is my favorite passage. It's actually the scripture that God used and impressed on my heart when he called me to the ministry. I think it is the greatest summation of what changed at Christmas that there ever could be. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. He went to church on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the church were fixed on him. And he said to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What changed? What changed was good news began to be proclaimed not to the rich, but to the poor. What changed was those who were captive were now hearing the cause of liberty. What changed was those who were blind could now see. Those who were oppressed could be set at liberty. If you want to know what Christmas really looks like, what does Christmas really look like? Christmas looks like good news being proclaimed to people that don't have hope. Christmas looks like liberty to those who are held captive by things, by sin, by the system, by society. It's those who could not see what God had done being given sight. It's those who are oppressed and who are held down and who are kept away from the, the God-given plan and purpose that is meant for their life. It's them being set at liberty. 
And then to look at the community around us and to proclaim this year, as in every year after Jesus came, is the year of the Lord's favor. Why? Because there is nothing that he could have done to show us favor that would be greater than him sending his son to take away our sins. He rolled up a scroll, gave it back, went and sat down, and everybody was looking at him. And he said, hey, this changes everything. Not just a manger. Not just a stable. The whole cycle. This changes everything. So I want to ask you something. I want to ask you something. As we pray, you saw that list of stuff that, that God has done through Jesus Christ coming to change everything. Sin being taken away, the works of the devil being destroyed, his power over us being removed, the need to offer sacrifice. He said, by one man sin entered the world, but by one man the price was going to be paid once and for all. And so Jesus was born, but he was born to die. He was born to die so that we could live. Yes, Merry Christmas and Jingle Bells and Hark the Herald Angels and all this other stuff, but at the end of the day, it reminds me of part of a Christmas song that says, Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Wow. That's what happens at Christmas. What should happen in the life of a believer, in the life of all of us who are just trying to make our way to be more and more of a disciple for Jesus Christ is that we fall to our knees and we worship because this changed everything. Everything. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I pray this morning that if there's a single person here, God, that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I'm not worried about them having some connection to religion. If they don't have a relationship with you, personal, personal relationship. And God, I pray that today that they will fall to their knees and they will worship. Not at the manger of a baby, but just like in that video where she says, I looked down and I saw Jesus. I saw my Redeemer. Yes, we celebrate the Christ child. We also celebrate the Christ king. The Christ warrior. The Christ comforter. The Christ who speaks into our hearts and says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Because I didn't stay in the manger, I didn't stay on a cross. And I for sure didn't stay in a tomb. 
but I do desire to stay in your heart. God, I give you praise. God, and if your Holy Spirit is speaking to somebody's heart this morning that says, you know what? I, I may have prayed a prayer. I may have done you know, some religious thing in the past, but I know that my life has never truly been changed to where that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then today's the day. Receive the greatest gift that the world has ever known. God, we know that it's as straightforward and as simple as just A, B, and C. Admitting that I'm a sinner and that I am in need of my sins being destroyed by the work of Jesus Christ. Believing that Jesus came, that he was born of a virgin, Mary, that he came into this world as the Son of God, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross, was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose again with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He had destroyed the, the, the penalty that was owed because of sin. And he wants to give me that gift. And see, I will confess him as Lord and I will receive this gift and ask him, please, not only be the Savior of my life, but be the Lord of my life and direct my steps and guide me in how to be what you want me to be. God, I pray that somebody's going to come up after this service and say, Pastor, that was me and I, I prayed that prayer in my heart today. I didn't really know exactly what I needed to say, but I just, I just did those things, and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. What an awesome Christmas gift. So, Father, I give you praise and I give you glory. I ask your blessings to be upon us. In all of these things we say together, amen. I told you that every week we're going to end with this. What it is that we believe before we go into some other stuff. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. Mm. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. apologize for being a little remiss and not reminding those of you that maybe uh, that's the first time that you've done the Apostles Creed that that when he says the uh, 
the Holy Catholic Church, we're not speaking of the denomination. The Holy, the word Catholic means universal. The Holy Universal Church. Because you know what? It doesn't matter if you're Baptist. It doesn't matter if you're Church of God, Assembly of God, if you are Methodist, if you are non-denominational, go unity point, um, whatever it is that you are, then uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have given your life to Him and you believe what His Word says, man, we're the universal church together.